great you are. And we just thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being who you are in our lives, Lord. This morning, I know that there are people all throughout this room who have stuff going on in their lives, and from, from illnesses, sickness, to, to marital problems, to relationship problems with their kids, to work problems, financial problems, Lord. And God, we lay that at your feet this morning, Father. We lift them up to you. God, for every person who's filled out one of these cards, for every person who hasn't but has a need still, God, we lift them up to you. And we just pray that you would wrap your arms around them this morning. That you would remind them that you're there with them, that with them, that they aren't on their own, Father. But that you, Lord, are walking there with them every step of the way. This morning, I pray that as we get into your word, Father, that you would, that you would speak to our that you would start with mine. We don't want to leave here the same way we got here. Make us more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Mosaic Church. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ben. I'm the associate pastor here. Uh, real quick, I'd like to say welcome to those of you who are joining us online. Would you guys help me welcome the people who are joining us online? And today, if you didn't know, hopefully you know, but today is Father's Day. Did y'all see Kurt and Sally having a baby? Yeah, dude. Saw it, liked it, even commented a confetti emoji. You know what this means. Dad training, baby. Oh, that's cool. I love that, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's so great. It's so hey, what's up, guys? What's up, Kurt? You busy? Um, I mean, we just... Perfect. We'll have them back by dinner time. It might be a little bit later than that. Yeah, more like bedtime, man. Congrats, by the way. Go. Jump right here, ready? All right. One, 
Yeah, so happy Father's Day. This is, this is my sixth Father's Day as a dad. It was actually six years ago today that was my first Father's Day, and that's what I got, and I know, right? <laughs> but if you're a dad, you know that that picture feels like yesterday. Man, it goes by so fast, but, but I love Father's Day, and I don't know what your traditions are, but um, I, I, now that I'm a dad, I know that it's always going to be a great day. I'm, I'm going to leave here today, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to eat some good food, I'm going to sit on my couch, I'm going to watch the final round of the U.S. Open on TV. I actually get the TV all to myself, so I get to control the remote today. Uh, and then tomorrow I get to go and play golf with my dad, who was, he was here in the first service, which was cool. But um, you might be wondering why I'm wearing a flamingo shirt. This was my Father's Day gift. My daughter picked it out. So I'm like, <laughs> let's go for it. All right. Um, so I love Father's Day. But at the same time, I recognize that for, for many, Father's Day isn't always a happy day. Right, for some of you, maybe, maybe not here, maybe you're watching online, maybe you grew up in a home where your dad wasn't always around. Or maybe he was, he was physically there, but maybe he wasn't present in the way that you needed him to be. Still for others, maybe um, you didn't get along with your dad. Or, or maybe worse still, maybe he hurt you in some way, and so, so Father's Day brings nothing but bad memories. And for others of you, maybe, maybe you've lost your dad. And Father's Day just brings the pain of not having him around anymore. Can I tell you, I, I understand how that feels today. This will be the third year that we celebrate Father's Day without my father-in-law, who was a great man. And, and even in the midst of the joy of celebrating, there's still that pain that, that I don't think will ever go away. And then maybe, finally, for some of you, you've experienced the unimaginable pain of losing a child. And, and there's just no words for that. And so for all of these reasons and probably so many more, Father's Day isn't always a joyful day. But despite that, I still want to wish you a happy Father's Day. And the reason why is because fathers are so important. They're so important. And can I tell you, we have some incredible dads here at Mosaic. Yeah. from biological fathers to stepdads to fathers-in-law to foster dads to spiritual fathers and everything in between. And over the years, I've been fortunate enough to get to know many of them. And so I just want to take a minute and celebrate them. Because I, I know they don't need it. I know they don't ask for it. I know that they don't do it for the recognition, but it's simply because it's who they are. But I just want to start this morning by saying thank you. Thank you for being incredible dads. Because you might not see it, but you are changing the world. And as I thought about that, this as I thought about Father's Day coming up, the word that kept coming to mind was legacy. Now, by legacy, I'm not talking about inheritance. I'm not talking about leaving huge sums of money to your kids and your grandkids. To me, legacy is so much more than that. To me, legacy is it's in, it's impact. It's significance. It's, it's paving the way and setting an example that your kids and your grandkids can look at and model their lives after. Pastor Angel, he always talks about lifting your kids up one level above where you were. To me, that's that's legacy. But unfortunately, legacy can also be negative, right? 
And we see this all too often in our world when parents, and especially fathers, leave a legacy of abuse or addiction or abandonment or neglect. And oftentimes, just like with positive legacies, those negative legacies continue to get passed down from generation to generation. But I want you to know this morning, if that's you, like if that's part of your story, I want you to know you're in the right place today because you have the power to change your legacy. You can be the one to break that negative legacy for your family and create, start creating a new legacy. Now, that being said, whether you come from a family that has left a positive legacy or a negative legacy, I believe that we still have to ask ourselves this one question. What is my legacy? Because no matter what our parents did before us, no matter what our grandparents did, it's up to us to either continue that legacy or to start creating a new legacy. And so with that in mind, we're going to look at the story of a family who had an extraordinary legacy. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 35, we come across it. It's this sort of obscure story of a family known simply as the Rechabites. And we'll see here in a minute that the Rechabites were descendants of a man named Jehonadab. Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing those names right, but neither do you, so we're just going to roll with it, right? <laughs> the Rechabites and Jehonadab, those are the two names, okay? But to kind of give you a little bit of context, Really, the only story that we have from Jehonadab's life is found in 2 Kings chapter 10, and I'm not going to read it to you, you can read it later, but really all it is is it's the story of when Jehonadab helped King Jehu rid, the, uh, uh, rid Israel of the family of Ahab and the prophets of Baal, okay? So the prophets of Baal were these prophets that served false gods, and they led Israel down this wrong path, okay? So at this point, at least at this point in his life, we know that Jehonadab served God. He fought on God's behalf, but that's pretty much it. He's there and he's gone in a span of less than 10 verses. But the reason that I tell you that is that just reading his story, you would read right over it. You wouldn't think he would have much significance because it's, it's so quick. But like I said, it turned out that he ended up leaving a pretty remarkable legacy. So going to our story in, Je in Jeremiah chapter 35, about 250 years have passed since Jehonadab was alive, since, since that story in 2 Kings. And so... Um, at this time in Israel, a generation is about 40 years. So a little over six generations have passed since Jehonadab uh, did this. Okay, so a long, it's been a long time. And in that 250 years, Israel has um, sort, of, they've sort of alternated between serving God and not serving God. So that they, they would serve him for a period of time, but then they would get led astray and they would start serving these false gods again. And so at this point in time, in Jeremiah 35, they are far from God. And that's really the whole reason that this story is in here, where it is, is because God is using this family and their legacy as an example of what obedience looks like. He's comparing this family who followed the command of their father, Jehonadab, as an example of, um, he's comparing that against Israel, who hasn't even been following his commands, and he's God, right? So this is what happens. It says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord during the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. Go to the Rechabite family and invite them to come to one of the side rooms of the house of the Lord and give them wine to drink. I brought them into the house of the Lord, then set bowls full of wine and some cups before them. The Rechabites said to them, drink some wine. And, yeah, and said to them, drink some wine. But they replied, we do not drink wine because our forefather Jehonadab, son of Rechab, gave us this command. He said, neither you nor your descendants must ever drink wine. Also, you must never build houses, sow seed, or plant vineyards. You must never have any of these things, but must always live in tents. Then you will live a long time in the land where you are nomads. We have obeyed everything our forefather Jehonadab, son of Rechab, commanded us. 
Neither we, nor our wives, nor our sons and daughters have ever drunk wine or built houses to live in or had vineyards, fields, or crops. We have lived in tents and have fully obeyed everything our forefather Jehonadab commanded us. So this is, this is interesting to me because for 250 years, the Rechabites have lived this way simply because Jehonadab commanded them to. Right? It wasn't because any of those things were bad. Right? We, we see throughout the Bible people drinking wine. Jesus drank wine. Uh, we see them living in houses. We see them planting and, and, and farming and all those kinds of things. So we know that those weren't bad things. We also, we also know that it was Jehonadab who commanded it. So we assume that God wasn't even the one who asked them to do this. So they lived this way for 250 years simply because Jehonadab said so. But look at what happens because of their obedience. Then Jeremiah said to the family of the Rechabites, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, you have obeyed the command of your forefather Jehonadab and have followed all his instructions and have done everything he ordered. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, Jehonadab, son of Rechab, will never fail to have a descendant to serve me. So God looks at this family and the legacy that Jehonadab had left and he blesses them. Not because they were this family of extraordinary individuals, right? They weren't priests or prophets. They weren't kings or conquerors. They were nomads. It means they were wanderers. They lived in the wilderness. They moved from place to place, living in tents their whole lives. But God blessed them because for 250 years, they honored the legacy of their father. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of legacy that I want to leave. Right? I'm not, I'm not worried about leaving this huge inheritance or this large sum of money. I mean, it would be nice, right? Like, I'm I want to turn it down, but I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about ever becoming rich or famous, but what I do think about and what I do strive for is to live in a way that my daughter and hopefully someday my grandkids can look at and know that's an example that I can follow. Right? I hope to leave a legacy that even... Yeah, you can clap for that. Huh? I just kept going. <laughs> I hope to leave a legacy that even 250 years from now, my family can look at and say, he showed us the way. But even more than that, I want to leave a legacy that honors God and is a testament to all that he's done in my life because I, I would not be who I am without him in my life. And so, but if you're anything like me, that often seems like an incomprehensible task, right? I have trouble thinking beyond tomorrow, let alone how to leave a legacy that's going to be around 250 years from now. So how do we live that way? And I think there's some there's very practical things that we can do that will give us a shot at leaving that kind of legacy. Now notice, before I get into that, notice that I said practical. I didn't say easy. On the surface, it's going to seem easy because that's just the way it works. It's going to seem easy. But I'm guessing that actually living them out and doing them will be anything but easy. So with that said, the first thing that I think we have to do is we need to decide what we want our legacy to be. In Joshua chapter 24, Joshua uh, was the leader of Israel, and he's getting close to the end of his life, and he knows that his time is short, and so he brings the, the Israelites together, he brings the nation together, and sits them down, and he sort of goes over their history with them. He's like, this is where we've been. Remember when we were slaves in Egypt? Remember when God brought us out of that? Remember how we got here? And then in verse 15, this is what he says. <clears throat> he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So he sits them down and he basically tells them, you need to decide what your legacy is going to be. And then, are you going to serve God or not? 
And he tells them what he's decided. He says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if, if we think about the story of the Rechabites, I think it's easy to imagine Jehonadab doing this, of, of making this decision, because it's very specific, right? He says, we're not going to drink wine. We're not going to build houses. We're not going to sow seed. We're not going to plant vineyards. Now, we don't know why he made the decision to live this way. But I think if we look at the way Israel had been living and how they'd been kind of swaying back and forth between serving God and not serving God, and, and now remember, we know that when Jehonadab was alive, we know he served God. So he, was, he wanted Israel to return to the worship of God. So when he saw this, I wonder if he just decided, you know what, my family is going to live differently. We're not going to do this whole back and forth thing. We're going, to, we're going to remove ourselves from the center of society. We're going to cut ourselves off from these other things. We're not going to do the things that they're going to do, so we will not be swayed one way or another. Now, that's not in the Bible, okay? So don't quote me on that. I'm just trying to fill in some context for you. This might have been what happened. But for whatever reason, whatever reason he did, he decided at some point, this is how my family is going to live. And I think in the same way, we have to decide how we're going to live. We have to decide the legacy that we want to leave. Because that decision is our compass, right? It's our roadmap. Now, I know for some of you who are a bit younger, you probably don't know this, or you probably don't even think about this, but when I was younger, when we were planning a trip, you had to take out this thing called a roadmap. And I know, it's, it sounds weird, but it was literally this huge map with all these roads on it, and you had to look at it, and you had to plan point by point, stop by stop, turn by turn, how you were going to reach your destination. It took forever, and it was super boring. That's what your smartphone does for you now. Who's grateful for GPS on their smartphones? I'm like, I use that to get around town. I'm like, <laughs> but, but if we want to leave a legacy that lasts, we have to decide what we want that legacy to be, because without a decision, we have no direction. And Ben, that was pretty good. I'm going to say it again. Without a decision, we have no direction. If we don't know what we want our legacy to be, how could we ever expect to reach the legacy that we want? So we must decide. Thank you, the one person in the back. <laughs> After we do that, I think the second thing we have to do is we need to talk about it. Right? And, and when I say talk about it, I don't just mean once or twice or even occasionally. I mean, we need to talk about it constantly. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses had just finished giving the Ten Commandments to the people. So in essence, he had just told the people, this is the decision. This is what we're going to be about. And then in verse 6, he says this. He says, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, Moses was saying, you need to talk about them. You need to talk about them until they become a part of who you are. You need to talk about them until you get sick of talking about them. You need to talk about them until you and your kids could never, ever, ever forget them. And when you finally think that you've talked about them enough, you need to talk about them some more. And in that same way, if we want to leave a legacy that's still around 250 years from now, we have to talk about it constantly. Now, I think Jehonadab probably, he had to have done this. Because think about this. How else would his great, 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 great grandkids be able to recite word for word the plan if it wasn't ingrained in who they were? Right? Because, listen, if you're a parent, you know 
that you cannot tell your kids something one time and expect them to remember. Am I right? Right? No, you have to tell them over and 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 over. Should I keep going? Because I could keep going, right? You have to tell them over and over again. Like, sometimes I seriously wonder if I'm ever going to be able to stop telling my kid to clean up to, after herself. It's a real worry that I have. But, and that's for something that doesn't even matter, right? So how much more do we need to talk about the things that matter, the things that are important to us, the things that we will hopefully be remembered for? So let me give you an example. In the winter of 1993, two teachers had this idea to start a new kind of school. It was one whose mission was do whatever it took to get the students to college. Now, when I read that, I was like, well, that doesn't seem like really that new of an idea. I think every school wants to do that, but, but that was their idea. And so the following year, they started uh, this school called the Knowledge is Power Program. It's called KIPP for short. And what they did, I think, especially at the time, was sort of revolutionary in a way. They decided in KIPP schools, we're going to make every detail matter. So, so from the way they stand, to the way they walk, to the way they sit at their desk, we're going to monitor everything. But even more important than that was the culture that they created. So at the start of every school year, the principal addresses the entire, each class, and he tells them that their goal is, as a team and as a family, is that every person in this room is going to go to college. And so they name every grade after the year that those students are going to enter college, not the year that they're going to graduate high school, the year they're going to enter college. The homerooms are named after what college the teacher went to. So you might have USC class or Cal class or Colorado class or, or CSU class. Hopefully you're not in that one, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know I've got some CSU folks in here. I just couldn't help it. <laughs> but they don't just talk about it, right? Then they, then they take those students, and every student who's enrolled starts visiting colleges as soon as they're enrolled. So whether it's high school or elementary, they start introducing them to the to them, them to this idea that this is what you are destined for. You see where I'm going with this? Everything that they do at these schools is with one purpose, get these kids to college. And as of 2019, more than 80% of their students go on to attend college. Now compared to the national average of 66%, that's pretty good. But there's one detail that I haven't told you about yet. KIPP schools are made up of 99% minority students, with nearly 90% coming from families that are considered low income. Now, when you take that into consideration, the national average for students who go on to attend college drops to 46%. What these schools are doing is extraordinary. But this isn't a pitch for KIPP schools. It's not a pitch for college. It's an example of what it looks like when you decide what you want your legacy to be, and then you never stop talking about it. If we want to leave a legacy, yeah. If we want to leave a legacy that will last long after we're gone, we need to talk about it, and talk about it, and talk about it, and talk about it. This is what we're going to be about. We need to talk about it constantly. Finally, the last thing that I think we have to do is we have to live it. If we truly want to leave a legacy that will last, I don't think it's enough to talk about it. I think that's vital, but I don't think it's the most important thing. We must live the legacy we want to leave. Because the people who we're leaving it for are watching us. They're watching us to see if we believe it enough to do it. Because it's one thing to tell somebody else how to live, right? But it's a whole other thing to do it ourselves. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to this church in Corinth. And he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. 
To me, that's living your legacy. It's saying, I will go first. I will show you the way. I will blaze the trail so that you can follow me. One of the people that I think have left the most incredible legacies is a man named John Wooden. And I probably don't even need to tell you who he is. He's the almost, uh, he's, I'm not, probably, he's sure, certainly the most renowned college basketball coach in the history of the game. He coached the UCLA Bruins for nearly 30 years, from 1948 to 1975. And in that time, he led them to 10 national championships in a 12-year span, including seven in a row, both of which are still uh, records in men's college basketball. But Coach Wooden's legacy is so much more than basketball. It, is, it extends so far beyond the basketball court. This is what Bill Walton said. He, he was a former player for UCLA. He said, Coach Wooden rarely talked about basketball, but generally about life. He never talked about strategy, statistics, or plays, but rather about people and character. You see, John Wooden was so much more than just a basketball coach. He was a teacher. He was a mentor. He was a father. He was a friend. He was really the definition of a leader. But what a lot of people might not realize is that his legacy actually started with his father, Joshua Wooden. So watch this video real quick. My father, when I graduated from a small grade school, uh, gave me a creed of seven points. The very first uh, point in the creed was be true to yourself. And he emphasized the fact that uh, if you do the things you know you should do, then you're true to yourself. And, of course, there were many of others, make friendship, uh, fine art, deeply from good books, and he wanted us to make each day a masterpiece. He wanted each day to be his masterpiece. He lived that. Uh, and I love that quote, and I've used it with my own children, to make, your, make each day your masterpiece. I don't think masterpieces are necessarily perfect, but I think that people that create masterpieces put 100% effort into what they were doing. When his father gave him those great statements of basically of being true to yourself, he said, John, I read those every day. And I thought, no wonder this man is who he is. I love that part at the end that John Maxwell says. He says, no wonder this man is who he is. John Wooden took this creed that his father gave him, this, this legacy that he gave him. It's very simple things. And then he lived it every day of his life. And we'll be talking about John Wooden probably for eternity because of it. So whatever you want your legacy to be, you need to live it. You need to, to be the model that your kids follow. If you want your kids to have a great marriage, start showing them how to have a great marriage. If you don't know how to do that, find somebody who does and learn from them. If you want your kids to be kind and compassionate, show them how to be kind and compassionate. And not just when it's easy, but especially when it's difficult. Right, when that person cuts you off in traffic, you know what I'm talking about. Don't get mad. Don't flip out on them. Don't flip them something else. Use it as an opportunity to show compassion. If you want your kids to follow Jesus, show them what it looks like to follow Jesus. Let them watch you follow Jesus. When you're praying, when you're reading your Bible, when you're lifting your hands in worship, when you're serving, when you're giving, when you're struggling, let them see you follow Jesus. Show them what that looks like. Live the legacy that you want to leave. But as I finish, I want to encourage you today because as I, as I was writing this, it's like, man, that, it felt like a daunting task to do this. Because there are times that I look at my daughter and, and I'm overwhelmed by the incredible responsibility of raising her, let alone of of setting this example for her that she can follow. 
But I was reminded this week of something that, that encouraged me and hopefully will encourage you. It's that I'm human. I'm going to mess up because I'm not perfect. And you are probably going to mess up too. But you know what? That's okay. Because the Bible tells us that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. So when we fall short, God is there. When we mess up, God is there. When we feel like we don't have anything left, God is there. So this morning, whether you're a dad or you're a granddad or you're not quite a dad yet, I want to encourage you, even when it seems like the responsibility is too much, when you don't know how much more you can take, God is there. So just keep getting up. Keep moving forward. Ask him to come alongside you. And do your best to live the legacy that you want to leave. Because it's important. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, God. We thank you for, for your son, Jesus, who you set to, sent to be an example to us of how we should live. God, I pray that, that as we do this, as we try to live out this, live this life that you've called us to live, I pray that you would come alongside us and give us the strength and the courage to truly live out our legacy. Father, we thank you for, for all that you're doing, and we just ask you, we just ask you to be in our lives in every step, every moment, every doubt and every fear and every triumph. Lord, make us more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing this last chorus with us? How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. Pastor Ben, one more round of applause for an incredible Father's Day message. You may be seated. So what I loved about what, what Pastor Ben said was um, about that first step, right? You have to decide that we can have all these great plans and all these things in our, in our head and our heart. And like, I want to leave this legacy, but it starts first with that decision. The whole reason that Mosaic Church exists is to help to connect people to life in Jesus and help them grow in their faith. And that starts with a decision. And so we never like to end a service without giving you an opportunity to do just that. And so if you feel that's you and you're not sure what your legacy is, but you know that you need to start first with giving your life to Christ, we give you that opportunity now. We're not going to make you come up to the front or anything like that. Uh, but with every eye closed, every head bowed, just repeat this very simple prayer and bring the heart behind the words. Repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you sent him to die on the cross for my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to wash away my sins. I decide today to make you Lord of my life. I make you number one in everything I do. Help me to serve you from this day forward. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, we want to welcome you to the family of God. Um, if you're deciding now to move forward, we want to say welcome home. On the screen behind me, there is a QR code, um, and so if, it's your, uh, if, if you made that decision for Christ, then you can go and go down to New Believer on that link tree, 
click on that, fill out that form. We'd have a gift that we want to send you and give you some information about the church and help you uh, follow along in your journey. And we're all here to help and, and, and guide you along that journey as well. Uh, if it's your first time visiting Mosaic Church, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, you can also scan that QR code and go down to New to Mosaic. The same thing. We want to send you some information um, uh, for the church. Or you can also text welcome to 970-478-8898. Almost had it. Almost got it memorized. Um, so go ahead and uh, text that, and then we're just going to, again, we're going to send you some information about the church, some reminders about upcoming things. And speaking of upcoming things, we have some events coming up. Um, well, not events, but one quick reminder. If you took a baby bottle home on Mother's Day, it was due today. You forgot your homework, okay? So, like, you could say the dog chewed it up or whatever, but here's the good news. If you forgot it, you can still, you know, bring it next week, drop it off at the front, if you forgot to fill it, right, like you can go digging through the couch cushions or your car and do all that, or you can make your life real simple and just bust out the checkbook and donate a hundred bucks and slip it in there, right? Just kidding. It'd be 20 bucks. Doesn't Whatever you feel called, whatever you feel led, but slip that in the baby bottle, bring it back. They do need those things back because they do actually use them and they use them for more campaigns. So make sure you bring those back if you took them. Don't just be like, oh, I forgot and then throw it away. Uh, so please bring it back, throw some quarters, throw some pennies. doesn't matter. Uh, so bring those back. And then uh, one week from today, June 25th at 7 p.m. here in this sanctuary, we have our worship night. So come on out, worship with us. It's, it's an hour of just worshiping and just uh, being in the presence of the Holy Spirit and being surrounded with other believers and just worshiping the incredible God that we serve. So we're going to continue the same spirit of worship with our tithe and our offering. There's four ways that you can give. You see up there on the screen. Uh, text any amount to 84321. You can drop it off the, uh, the steel box in the end or you can use the uh, Church Center app as well. So we're gonna pray over this morning's tithe and offering, and you just, for those, you know, like, um, that you're wondering what, what, how much should I do, do all that sort of thing, this is between you and God. What I do know is that Mosaic Church is a very generous church, and this whole place wouldn't exist without the faithful giving of, of our people here at Mosaic Church, okay? And one of the things that I love about what we do is we practice what we preach. We planted over 700 churches across the nation through, um, uh, through the ark about helping other small churches start. So we tithe as well to make sure that the message is seen and heard around the globe. And so um, do that's between you and God, but let's pray over this morning's tithe and offering. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for all of your grace and your mercy, Lord, and your provision in our lives. Lord, we ask that you would use this time, this offering, um, to, to multiply and have an impact in the spiritual climate here in northern Colorado and beyond. Lord, we give it to you the full and a joyful heart. In your name we pray, amen. All right, guys, you are dismissed. Happy Father's Day to all of you out there. And hey, how about those nuggets, huh?